Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, We're so thankful for technology and also uh, for the volunteers that have scrambled and the staff to allow us to have our online service. Thank you specifically to our AV team, uh, to the band. Uh, They stayed after this past Sunday to do a worship set so that we could worship together uh, in our homes. And so thank you guys for the way that you've really come through for our church. And we're thankful that even though we're, we're separated this morning, uh, we can learn together from God's Word. And so I want to spend the rest of the time this morning looking into God's Word as we continue the series called Terror to Triumph. And if you've joined us uh, the past few weeks, you know that we've been looking at uh, the terrors that we face in our world and how Christ and what we celebrated on Easter, the resurrection from the dead, even though He was crucified, He rose again to conquer sin. Uh, we can overcome the terrors of sin and from Satan and the fears that we face, even related uh, to death. And so this morning, we're going to talk specifically about the next generation and how we can overcome terror, not just here and now, but how we can build into our spiritual family and the family that God's given us in our households into this next generation to come together to accomplish His purposes here and now. When I was in high school, uh, for the first time, I remember reading the verse Jeremiah 29, 11. And it was a great encouragement to me. This is what the verse says. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. When I read that scripture, um, the first time it really encouraged me, uh, I was wrapping up high school and getting ready to college facing uh, the great unknown. And if you've been in that position, like where you're looking at the future and you're not sure what's going to happen. You don't know what's before you. And if you have what it takes to accomplish what you need to, uh, that verse is a great encouragement. However, it was later uh, in college where I learned a little bit more of the context. And since being an adult, realized that that promise is much more than just God comes through for you. Uh, It's really God comes through for you in very difficult times. Uh, The context of this in the book of Jeremiah is actually as the Israelites are facing exile, And they are captive uh, to the Babylonians who really came over them in a powerful way, uh, took their authority, lorded over them, and created havoc uh, for their lives. Uh, In this uh, season, they were brutally oppressed. Uh, They faced pain, opposition, and they were conquered in, in horrible ways. But if you back up from Jeremiah 29, 11 and actually find out in verse 10, you see that even in the middle of these pains and these terrors that the Israelites faced, God had a tremendous purpose. And this purpose was actually 70 years in the making that he had promised in verse 11 to come true, this this future and this hope. Uh, The reason I bring this up is oftentimes when we think of the future and we're hopeful, uh, we can look at our present circumstances and think, There's no way that that could come true because of all that we're facing. You yourself may be facing really hard times, maybe some horrendous circumstances and rough relationships and conflict and just feels like you you get stuck in this cycle in your life. Well, I want to encourage you, God's purposes, they will always prevail. But sometimes it happens not in the moment, but in the future. And we have to hold on to the hope that we have in Christ to really be faithful and he is faithful and so we have to be faithful to him even in 
these terrible times. And so in Jeremiah, what you found is God gave them uh, this promise that was going to happen in the future, but he gave them directives uh, to accomplish in the present. And I just want to summarize these because they're, they're very helpful. Uh, he encouraged them to, to build houses, to plant gardens, and enjoy the produce of their hands. So here they are in exile. They're in their foreign land. But the idea is don't check out. Don't be paralyzed. Don't just give up hope, but make something of the time that you have here and now. He encouraged them also to marry off their kids, to multiply for the people of God to produce and to multiply the earth. They were told to not decrease, to not shrink back, but to move forward uh, in faith. They were also, and this is very interesting, they were also encouraged to seek the welfare of the city, to actually look at how they can build together to make a difference uh, in their world. But if you're like me, that's very difficult in tough circumstances to think about how to make the most of it. Uh, for myself, I can easily get discouraged. I can just focus on all that I can't do. I can focus on all the negative. But God is saying, actually, in the middle of the terrors that we face, there's something that we can do. We can actually produce. We can multiply. We can be a part of God bringing a light and a hope here and now. He wants to do that through your life. Uh, he wants to do that through my life and also through our families. And so what I want to do today is really talk about God's multi-generational view of his kingdom and what we can be a part of. And so let's dig in with that first major point. And that's this. God thinks multi-generationally and we should too. It's very easy for us to be very nearsighted, to focus so much on the present and really just what's right in front of us. But God He's above space and time. He actually sees the whole picture. And he wants us to be thinking in this multi-generational way. I want to share a scripture from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which is really the faith chapter in the scriptures, talking about the people who've gone before us, people of the faith that chose faith, even though they couldn't see the promises of God right in front of them. Check this out in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. It says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And then verse 12 says, Therefore from one man and, and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. What we hear in Hebrews 11 is really God's redemptive plan that happens through families. You see, God came to Abraham and said, The whole nation... The world will be blessed through you. And at the time, him and his wife, Sarah, who we just read about, they, they could not have kids. But his redemptive work has involved families from the very beginning. And oftentimes we can get stuck in all that we can't see. We can get stuck in the trouble and even the terror. But again, God is doing a work that's not just for here and now, but to also bless the generations. You see this again and again in scripture. For us, our story is connected to Abraham and Sarah. When I was younger, I learned a song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and you do the actions. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, uh, you knew that. If you don't, go ahead and look that up, and you could learn that song as well. But the promise of that song is the reminder that God is doing this redemptive work in this spiritual family, and we're connected. God appeared to Abraham, Sarah's husband, and promised him again that he would have a child in his old age, and Sarah was way past the childbearing age when that promise came. And in fact, the scriptures say she laughed when she was told this, but the promise was fulfilled. 
God granted them an heir, a son. And over the next 400 years, because of God's faithfulness and them choosing faith, Abraham and Sarah had descendants that over that span of time grew to around three and a half to four million. That's something you don't see. All that they saw in the beginning was this couldn't be possible because of how old they were. But God had a different plan. He had given them a faithful promise and he was faithful to deliver it. And that's what we find here and now. And that's what we can hold on to despite the unknown. What I want to do for a moment is just share kind of what Abraham and Sarah's story means for us today. And it's the idea of the great mandate that we've been given to be fruitful and to multiply. Here at Ridgeview, we, we really encourage families to have kids and have lots of kids. The key to that is to raise your kids in a godly way, because if we can build our families and families are building families and families are building families, you can see such a kingdom impact. The idea is how could families that really follow the Lord, that have kids that follow the Lord, that have kids that follow the Lord, how can that multiply a kingdom mindset in a city? Just like what happened with the Israelites in Babylon, you could change the fabric of an environment, of a community, because of the faith we have in the Lord Jesus. And so, if you would, think about this. If in your family, every 40 years, a couple got together and they got married and they had three kids and their kids in a 40-year span kept having three kids and that kept happening, have you ever thought of the math of that? What the actual mandate would look like to be fruitful and multiply within an individual household? This is a little shout out to Kevin Yang, who is a part of our church, uh, very good at, at math. And I asked him to help me kind of begin with this premise. If you had a couple and they had three kids and then within 40 years they had three kids, what would the math look like? And so here's what, what Kevin uh, came up with. After 120 years, you would have 159 family members. After 240 years, you'd have 4,371 family members. After 440 years, you would have over 1 million family members. Now, what am I talking about? A whole city? No, I'm talking about one family. Isn't that crazy to think? Through one family being faithful, to have kids, to be fruitful, to multiply, what could God do? Now, when we think of that in our culture, that seems like, well, that, I don't know if that really works these days, you know? Especially in our state, it's expensive, it's hard to have kids. Um, how, how would that work? Well, the idea is wherever you are, how can you be a part of building a spiritual family? And so what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of the sermon really talking about how to build a spiritual family that could be within your own biological family, or it also is connected to the spiritual family in the church. Now, some of you, you may be past the time that you've been having kids and maybe your kids, have, you've been sent out and you're an empty nester. Well, you still have a role to play in Ridgeview Church how you can be grandparents spiritually to other people and aunts and uncles, how you can be a part of this spiritual family that God wants to build. You may be in a place where you, you're not sure you can have kids or you're not even married yet. And the principle is still the same. God wants us to be a part of a spiritual family that you can build into. You can build into the next generation. We have people that do that at Ridgeview that in our kids zone are building into the next generation that are serving our, our junior high and high school students through our Ridgeview student ministry. As we do that together as a church in the spiritual generations, you find that the same idea is multiplied. And so let's kind of take a little bit bigger picture 
of what this means. And so there's two centers for God's kingdom work that I want to focus on. The first is the church family. And we are a family that God has brought together, you and I, from different backgrounds, different experiences, together at the same time to be a part of a community. Not for our own benefit alone, but really to advance the kingdom of God. And we've been talking about in this, this series how the kingdom of God, it starts small like a mustard seed. And just like Ridgeview Church, we started small. But you see, we're, we're growing and expanding. We're reaching more people. You're a part of that. And so one of the main centers where God's kingdom work is the church itself, this spiritual community. And what you find in Scripture as you dig in is that God wants us to be a spiritual family uh, to each other. And 1 Timothy 5, check out this uh, relationship that you see in the spiritual family. It says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Now, nobody can replace your, your flesh and blood. That's your, your family that God's given you. And we'll talk about how to make the most of the family God's given you uh, in a moment. But notice the descriptions of each of these uh, relationships. And the idea is like that you act like a father, you act like a brother, you act like a sister. There's this spiritual realm of the family of God that is so powerful. And it's such an opportunity for us to make a difference. And that's part of what we get the privilege to be here at Ridgeview Church. Uh, For me and, and my family, we've experienced this benefit. I don't know how many times just in the last few years since we've launched Ridgeview Church that we've had spiritual aunt and uncles encourage our kids. Sometimes challenging our kids, maybe sometimes even correcting our kids if maybe their perspective is off or maybe they're making a bad decision. We've had people that have come to, to really love us and help us and say, you know, I love your kids because I love you and I love our church and we're a family together. Now, ultimately, the training and discipline is for parents to do with their own kids. But if you have a church community where people are living the same values together, we actually reinforce and we should reinforce what parents tell their kids at home. Our kids should see that in the greater community of the church. In fact, that's how they have an experience that lasts with them. If the values you have at home match the values that they see at church, it really becomes real. That's an opportunity that we have. And so there's been countless times in my wife and I's own family, we have three kids, they're ages 16, 14, and 11. But even when they were younger, we had people that really loved on them and gave us even time to go on a date. And they cared for them and encouraged them again and, and just did life together. And we experienced that today. And so I wanna encourage you, part of what you can do to experience the blessing of that, that fatherly figure spiritually and brotherly and sisterly and mother, just all of these relationships is to pull into the church community. In fact, it's interesting today as we're talking just about an online church, uh, one of the, the things that we miss is we're just at home in our own household. And so church isn't meant to just be our own household alone. And that's why I hope you'll join us today at the park. We can come together as a spiritual family to enjoy each other and and to fellowship. That will again be at 12 noon at Rosina Park East. And so hope to see you there. But this is that reminder of like we have our household and what God's doing and we're we're connected to the, the household of God. And so there's the spiritual family that we have. The second thing is this, is that we need to develop spiritual children by helping unbelievers come to Christ. What that means is not only do we have an opportunity to be like a father figure or mentors to people, 
or for people to mentor us and to be like brothers and to be like sisters and to be like a mom or to be like an aunt. But we actually have an opportunity and really the privilege to grow the family of God. Well, how do you grow the family of God if it's spiritual and not biological? You do that by helping people come to Christ. As you share what Christ has done in your life, and as somebody learns from you and sees that difference and sees the hope that you have, you actually can be a part of them being born again. And what are they born again into? The kingdom of God and into a spiritual family. What a privilege it is to be able to share that Christ's family is inviting other people to join in. And anyone can be a part as long as they decide to follow Jesus with their whole heart, to do what he says, to please him. And when we mess up, we have to confess. And that's what we do as a church. It's not perfection. We're an imperfect family. But when we come together and we live a different type of life, part of what God wants to do is draw others in who are looking for a new family. Maybe their family background was hard. Maybe their life is dark and they just need hope. Well, God wants to use the church so that people can enter into the family of God. And you have a role to play in that. Check out this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, I write this to you. Not because I want to make you feel ashamed, but to instruct you as my own dear children. For even if you have 10,000 guardians in your Christian life, you only have one father. For in your life, in union with Christ Jesus, I have become your father by bringing the good news to you. I beg you then to follow my example. Isn't this interesting? Again, this is a description of a spiritual family. And this picture of like you have guardians, you have people that are looking out for you. And then you also have a spiritual father. The idea is somebody on this earth that's helped you. Now, our ultimate father is, is father in heaven, our spiritual father. But we do have people, because of the influence that they've had on our life, if they've helped us come to Christ, if they've really walked with God, they have a tremendous influence on us like a father. Like we actually look to them as an example. We seek advice from them and counsel because they're a help to us, just like should happen in our own household. And so this is what Paul is describing in 1 Corinthians as this powerful, tremendous relationship. And so I want to encourage you, one of the ways as you pull into Ridgeview, God wants you to be able to experience the spiritual family. But always the idea is how do we expand this family to include more people into it? How can we ensure that our family doesn't just close the circle, but we continue to look at inviting people in? And one of the ways you do that is you continue to, to give your resources to the church and the community. The idea of like, I'm going to be a part of this. I want to serve. I want to contribute financially. I want to give my time to build into the next generation. I want to make myself available for ministry. As you do this, and we do this together, it really strengthens the spiritual family that God's given us. And really, if you take a step back, what a tremendous opportunity to look at the churches God is raising up in our cities here in Southern California, throughout our state and the world, God's kingdom is expanding. But it's not this corporation. It really is an organism, a spiritual life, this family that God is building together. Now, I asked you to think and showed you a little bit of the math of what it would mean for each family if they had three kids and their kids had three kids and what that would look like over a span of time. Well, I thought I'd also do the math in a spiritual sense of what would that mean for us as a church if we built into our own kids, but also what if uh, we had maybe one child and that's all we could have, or we couldn't have any kids, then, then what? Well, the principle is the same. How do we help people come to Christ? And now they're a part of this spiritual family. And so the premise is the, the same, 
But let's expand the number. If we had 60, just 60 Ridgeview families, maybe it's just a couple, like 60 Ridgeview couples, and each of them had three kids spiritually. Maybe some were biological, maybe some they helped come to know Christ. The kingdom is expanding. Well, check out the math on this. After 120 years of 60 families, spiritually, three by three by three, uh, we would have 9,540 total Ridgeview family. Wow, that's, that's a small city. Could you imagine the population difference that that could make in a community here in North Fontana? If that were to happen, could you imagine what God could do through that? And then after 240 years, we'd have 262, 260,000 people. And then after 440, look at that number, we would have over 63 million. Now again, if you're somebody that kind of looks at that and it's, it's easy to poke holes, well, that's gonna break down because if it doesn't happen with this, it's, and it's true, we're just dealing with a formula. And we know life doesn't happen in a formula like this. We know life is messy and the math doesn't work a lot. But it does give a vision that oftentimes we're just thinking here and now. But again, God is thinking multi-generationally. And he's thinking more than just our household. He's also thinking this spiritual family of his kingdom of God, this kingdom of light, that he's moving throughout the earth. And my prayer for us here at Ridgeview is that we band together as a spiritual family and we look to expand the spiritual family by helping people come to Christ. Oftentimes, that just comes as you share, again, the difference Jesus made in your life. That means you have to rub shoulders with people who don't know Christ, non-Christians. So I wanna encourage you, look for opportunities to build relationships with your neighbors and your coworkers. Oftentimes that could be inviting to church. Sometimes it could be inviting them to even come over and have some coffee and dessert and talk about life. Get to know your neighbors. We have an opportunity. We want to build relationships with the people that God's placed in our city. And that's how we seek the welfare of the city by actually building relationships with the people of that city. And even as we did last week for Earth Day, we cleaned up our city. That's part of this commandment that God's given us. And so all are connected. We want to seek the welfare of the city by serving it, but also by building relationships with those who don't yet know Christ. This is God's vision for us here at Ridgeview. And so helping to grow means you, you seek out those relationships, you build into people, you take time to get to know them, to serve, to love uh, for the opportunities that God provides. And so for you, it just may be asking a question in prayer. God, will you help me to just see the people that you've placed in my path? Give me spiritual eyes to see uh, what you're doing. And for me, oftentimes it just means I have to look up because it's so easy, I just get focused here, I get focused here, my agenda, my calendar, my schedule. But sometimes I just hear the voice of God, just look up, Alex, see around you, see what I'm doing. And as God does that, and I can see as he sees, there's tremendous opportunities all around me. So I encourage you, think in this spiritual sense, in this spiritual realm, and I think you'll be blessed by that. So that's the first way that, that God builds the kingdom of God is through the church family. But the second way is through your own family. And I want to spend the rest of the time this morning looking at that. How can we make a difference for the kingdom of God in our own family? Well, it begins with really a commitment to raising your own kids to walk with God and to contribute to his mission. Now, if you do have kids, uh, you know that parenting uh, is exhausting and tiring. And for me personally, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. 
Most of the time, that's because it challenges my own heart. It challenges my own goals, my agenda for how I want things to happen. When you have kids, you find out that you have your plan and they have their plan. And then the world has a plan. And with all these circumstances that happen at once, it's very easy for our goals to be blocked. And when our goals get blocked, oftentimes we can be very frustrated. And that's true of my life. I can get just so frustrated when I take a step back and I ask the question, Alex, why are you so frustrated? Oftentimes it's because I'm not getting what I want. So that may be the same for you, but the household and the family that we've been given is an opportunity to really raise our kids beyond just everyone getting their own, what they want, their own goals, their pursuit of their own dreams, but to really band together to be a part of accomplishing God's purpose. Check out this scripture in Ephesians 6, 4. This is a challenge specifically uh, to fathers. This translation says parents, but it says, parents, do not treat your children in such a way as to make them, them angry. Again, other translations say fathers, but instead raise them with Christian discipline and instruction. If you are a parent, that is a high calling that you've been given from God. Because as this scripture says, you have an opportunity to parent in a certain way that you don't make them angry. The idea of to exasperate, to frustrate, but you really come alongside to bring them up, to, to warm them up to the ways of God. And you warm your kids up to the ways of God by how you live. And uh, we'll be sharing that uh, at our next parent-child dedication. And so if you're interested in dedicating your child to the Lord, uh, I encourage you to attend that, that overview and you can sign up on, on Church Center. Uh, you can check that out. And we just walk through what it means to do this. And so at Ridgeview, we want to come alongside you as parents to help you live out Ephesians 6, 4. But notice the scripture says in this Christian discipline and instruction. That means uh, we all have jobs. Uh, specifically, if you work outside the home, you, you're going to spend a lot of time and you may be a two income family. You both are working or somebody may be staying home, but it's actually the calling of both parents to be a part of this process of the training and instruction. And in scripture, you see that this happens just throughout the days and evenings and the weeknights and the weekends and really all the time when you're going about and you find this in the book of Deuteronomy, wherever you go, there's an opportunity to, to help make sense out of God's ways in the world. And that means for us as parents, you have to look uh, for opportunities. Uh, in our culture today, uh, motherhood is something that is downplayed. Fatherhood is downplayed. And the idea is just, you have to pursue, you have to make the money uh, so that your kids can be okay. But oftentimes what you find is you can chase the career and the income and lose your kids. And so it's not the pursuit of money that makes a successful family. It's actually the way that you raise them. It's what's the most important, what the priority is. And when you dig, in, dig into scripture, again, what we find is that it's raising your kids in this instruction of the Lord, his ways, how he works. That's reality. Reality is God's ways. And so our process and really duty as parents is to help our kids learn God's reality. Now, oftentimes this doesn't happen in lectures. I think that's part of what can exasperate a children. We can over instruct. Many of the times it happens by your example of what you do. Many of you are serving at Ridgeview Church. And did you know every morning when you wake up on a Sunday and you come early, you're showing your kids what's important. When you stay late, when you're a part of a small group and you give up a night of your week, 
Even when you contribute financially to the church, do you know you're teaching your kids what's important? So I encourage you, one of the things to do is connect dots with your kids. I found that to be so helpful in my life. But oftentimes, I've overlooked it. I just assume that my kids know why we do what we do. But oftentimes, they need it explained. And that's how the two go together. You set an example. That's the first E. And then you explain it. And as you explain the example, now they know the why behind what you do. But if we explain without an example, oftentimes it goes in one ear and what? Out the other. That's much of what my schooling was like. If it's not hands-on, if you're not seeing an example, it's just this somebody explaining something and it doesn't make sense. And so as a parent, what you want to do is set the example for the things of God. Not perfectly, but even in your imperfection, if you mess up with your kids, do you know that's one of the greatest examples you can give them? Ask for forgiveness. If you're harsh with your kids and you treat them in a way that's not right, if you're harsh with your spouse in front of the kids and you treat your spouse in a way, bring the family together and say, you know what, I I was harsh with with mom. Will, Will you forgive me? And you ask forgiveness of your wife if you're a husband. And you ask forgiveness of your kids if they've witnessed that. And it's the same for each relationship. And so you really want to use the example of Scripture, the encouragement of how we should treat each other. The Scriptures say we need to clear up our relationships. We need to forgive and extend forgiveness. And so you have to take that literally. If you don't, then the Scriptures just become like a textbook at school. It's filled with ideas, but it doesn't impact life. That's the opposite of Scripture. It's actually meant to be lived out. And you raise your kids up. The idea is like you bring them up in it. The idea is they're built and structured with God's word. That truth is like this household that they see. Like this is a household build, built on the ways of God. And it becomes actually very powerful for them. And so you have to just commit to this. And just think in your head. It's just this example and the explaining. Example and explaining. And oftentimes it's not going to be maybe your godly example. Sometimes it could be the way that you messed up again, and even God will use that. And so most of the things that I pass on to my kids is oftentimes my own imperfections and how I want to train them up in a way so they can be further down the road than I was. And when you find that you're a normal, messed up person to your kids, you actually are endeared to them because you know what? They know they're messed up and they know you're messed up too. And so if this feels like, well, I can't do this, just start where you are. Share with your kids at their level what God's teaching you. And you'll find that God will begin to use that to shape the very atmosphere in your family. I want to give a quick plug to this because in one sermon, it's hard to talk about parenting and the family. And so actually on Mother's Day, we're going to be launching a new series called My Imperfect Family. And we're going to dig in to marriage and to parenting and family and the atmosphere of the home. And so I hope you'll join us. We'll be in person back at the Jesse Turner Center. But on Mother's Day, we can all embrace God's purpose for us, even though we are an imperfect family. And so uh, just kind of mark that on your calendar. We hope to see you uh, on Mother's Day as we, we launch that. Well, let's dig into the second. So we need to raise our own kids to walk with God, to contribute to his mission. But also we need to make sure that raising Christ followers becomes our highest uh, priority. Now, the world is competing with the attention of us and our kids. 
That means there's always things that are being raised up to say this is the most important. I've already touched on that related to even your income and maybe chasing wealth. It becomes so easy because things are expensive. Life is hard. So sometimes it seems like, well, it can just be easier by just having more money. And I get that. But if money, again, is your highest priority, you're going to miss the ways of God. But there's other things, too, that vie for our attention. Uh, Recently, my kids have been on this new kick of prime energy drink. And now, if you've never heard of this, this is marketing at its best. There's some YouTube influencers that you'll see a picture of them. This is Logan Paul and KSI, and they created this prime drink. Now, the drink is actually enjoyable. And I've had fun with my boys trying to find where it is at the stores. But what's so fascinating is recently I went to the local grocery store near our house and the shelf is completely clear of this drink. You cannot find it. And my son just keeps asking, can you talk to the person at the store and find out when these shit are shipped and when the shelves will be replenished? And I was like, wow, this is like really important. And this past week, I think I've checked three times because now it's on my mind. So yesterday, I wasn't even with my boys, and I went to check the shelf. Is there any prime energy drinks? And there wasn't. But we did get a case earlier in the week. And it made me realize this this point, this, this idea of drawing your attention. If you have influencers that then tell your kids to do something, and they're called influencers, there's a good chance that they're going to influence them to do it. That's what they're called. And even if they're not called that, our world is filled with a place where people are influencing us and our kids. It's happening at schools. It's happening in our neighborhoods. People are influencing us at the workplace as well. And so the key is, in a world where things are vying for our attention, we have to make sure that the highest priority, especially as parents, is to raise Christ followers that will know Him and will make Him known. And this is how we think of the future of the generations. And so... If you will, just think for a moment. If you, God grants you to get married and to have kids, very easily you can just focus on that life that you have. But but you want to think about parenting in a way that you're going to actually shape your kids so that they'll shape their kids who will shape their kids. The idea is we have to often think, we have to have a bigger vision for the spiritual implications of our life. We have to have a bigger vision even for our family. How can we parent and live in a way that our kids will not only be influenced, but that through that influence, their kids will and their kids. And this is where you begin to see this multiplication of the family of God. This is another encouragement from uh, the book of Ephesians. Check this out. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on the earth. Now here's a category. The category is actually, if you honor your father and mother and children obey and live really in line with the boundaries God's given them through their parents, what does the scripture say? You're going to have a long life. I think parenting today is so difficult because again, There's so many things that are vying for our kids' attention through cell phone and through media and social media and schools and everything. But in the end of the day, the kids will be mostly, the impact of their life will be based on the influence of their parents. And if they do what their parents say and if they follow them well. And so parents, you really 
as the scriptures say, are in charge of the discipline and training of your kids. And what this scripture is saying is actually, if you hold that line of discipline and you expect your kids to obey and not suggest it, but you really want them to have a good life. And it's not to make you happy. Oftentimes parenting can be about just pleasing the parents, but you want to raise again, your kid's vision is they want to make Jesus happy. And you make Jesus happy by obeying mommy and daddy. Now you want to say that when they're younger, but when they're old, they they need to obey mom and dad. They need to do what they say. But from a young age, kids can understand and begin to learn that I make Jesus happy by actually doing what mom and dad say. And so don't give up. I just want to encourage you. Don't, don't give up. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to discipline. And sometimes your kids will need to experience that pain to realize the right from wrong, the good choice from the bad. But if you do that and you set this parameters of pleasing God, not based on our own uh, interests or our own preferences, but on God's ways, if you teach them to be truthful and not tell lies, if you teach them to be kind and not to hurt people, if you teach them to obey quickly and, and not rebel, what you'll find is, is you're beginning to raising that next generation. And as that is within them and their hearts, Lord willing, they'll do the same with their kids. Now, if you've messed up, it's easy to hear this and you think generations, you're like, I can't think generations. I'm just trying to survive here now with my own family. Start where you are. Oftentimes, the enemy will come even right now as you're hearing this, to just give you a little bit of lies of discouragement. You, it's over for you. You've already messed up too much. Your kids don't listen to you. They're too far off. It won't work. You don't have kids. You can't have all these lies that you may hear. And the thing is, is wherever you are, start where you are. And so if you long to have kids and you don't, begin to build into the spiritual family of God. And just pray, God, we would love to have kids. Will you provide them for us? In the name of Jesus, we pray. And in the meantime, build into the spiritual family. Become an aunt, become an uncle, become a grandparent, become brothers, become sisters. God will use you. If you have kids and they're grown and you just look and you just feel like just this knot in your stomach because they're not making good choices, continue to live your life in the fear of God. Please him. Take him seriously. Your kids are still watching you. And if you find that you messed up, even... As an older parent, take the time to confess that to to your kid. Get together and just say, you know what? God's brought to mind some things that I messed up with you as I parented you. Will you forgive me for that? It's never too late. But don't give up hope. God can still use you in the life of your kids. Even if they're grown, even if you're an empty nester, God can use you. And so wherever you are, you can build into the spiritual family that God's given us here at Ridgeview. And then you can build into your own family. And as we're talking about this context of the terror to triumph, as we do this, and as we really focus together on God's ways, no matter what terror we face, we can have hope because the Lord Jesus is leading us forward. That's the hope I have. There's so many unknown things. Uh, We're beginning, as our kids are getting older, to look at what's next for them. And what's next for them is really going to be out of our control. They're going to become adults. And our role is we, we actually have to let them go. You parent so that your kids will leave and become adults that will please God. And so as our daughter begins to think through what she's gonna do when she leaves home and what her future looks like, what I have to hope for is in the middle of the unknown, all the things I don't have control over, I trust a God that is looking out for her, that will take care of her. And she's not gonna do things perfectly 
and the other kids won't do things perfectly. And we're not going to do things perfectly, but even in our imperfect family, God is at work. And that's the hope that I have. And that's the hope that we can have together as a church. God is doing a work with imperfect people in our church and in our households. Uh, here's the last promise I want to leave you with. Deuteronomy 5.29. This has been a great encouragement to me through the years. It says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it may go well with them and their children forever. I just want to leave you with that because that is an encouragement to me. And that's something I, I just have to hold on to in the middle of the busyness, in the middle of sometimes discouragement, in the middle of those hard times. So take a look. Look at what God's doing. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves, a spiritual family. And then God's given us a stewardship of our own family, whatever role that we play. And if you're listening today and, and you are a child, you have a, a role to play in your family to really come alongside your parents, to be a part of the team of your own family, to really making a difference. And I love just looking around all the families that God's brought to Ridgeview. From even single people to married with no kids to kids to grandparents, all of this comes together this beautiful mosaic of God's work. And so play your role. Trust God to do the rest in the middle of the unknown. I want to just close out with some next steps. And they're just two today. Uh, the first is just connect to the spiritual family here at Ridgeview. No matter where you find yourself, pull in. Become a part of the team and serve. Look for opportunities to, to connect with people. Uh, one of the ways you can build the spiritual family is, is take time after church to, to come to lunch. Like today, uh, decide, I'm going to go to the park. It might be hot. Maybe outside. I may have allergies. All sorts of things that you have going on. But make a decision, a commitment to just make a connection. And as you do that, like those connections grow. But make a decision wherever you are. Pull into the spiritual family here at Ridgeview. And then the second is to memorize Jeremiah 29 11. Now, with this new context, the reminder is it's not just about this future and hope and it's all going to look great. It's actually, it could be in the middle of some real terrors that we face, that we have to still focus on what's before us. Be faithful to the things of God here and now. And so you may want to memorize that. As we close out our service, we're going to sing one more song like we normally do at church. And I encourage you, uh, sing this out. Uh, you'll find uh, resources on our YouTube page and also on our website. If you'd like to give today, uh, we encourage you. We're not going to be receiving our offering, obviously, uh, as a church family, but you can give on the website. Uh, also through Church Center, uh, you'll find different ways to connect, and I encourage you uh, to do that. It's so glad that you've been able to join us today. Let's pray together as we close out our time. Father, thank you for just being a God that sees a big picture and has a vision far greater than we do. And I pray that you'll help us to see uh, multi-generationally uh, in our spiritual family at Ridgeview that we can be a part of helping people come to know Christ and then also that we'll be part of this generational vision that you have for our own family to raise our kids in a way that will bless and bring truth to their life and also to their kids and to their kids. And so God, uh, we know that we're imperfect people and we have imperfect families, but God, will you help us to see how to focus on what is right and true before you and just show us if there's some things that we need to shore up in our parenting, in our marriages, Help us to have the courage to reach out for help as we get stuck. And I just thank you for the work that you're doing among us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.